Uh, strange things happen in Wales. I, I heard of a story, I don't know if it's true, but this pastor was preaching, and as he was preaching, the devil appeared behind him in the pulpit. And the congregation screamed and ran out, and then the pastor turned around, saw the devil, he ran out, except for John Thomas, elder, front row, being there 30 years, unmoved. So the devil leans forward and he says, uh, don't you know who I am? John said, yeah, yeah, horns, tail, bit of a giveaway, really. I'm saying, so why aren't you afraid of me? Well, I've been married to your sister for 40 years, so <laughs> I don't know if it's true. I don't, I don't know. But, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes some of the most profound revelation that God gives me, life-changing stuff, is in the normal day-to-day things of life. Like, you know, when I'm the most unspiritual, that's when he gets me. Like, you know, sometimes I'm dealing with an issue and uh, I'm reading the Bible, nothing, I'm worshiping nothing. Uh, and then all of a sudden I'm walking around the supermarket, I'm reading the chemical contents of a packet of frozen peas and God gets me right there. Anybody relate to what I'm saying? Uh, and this message came out of one of those experiences I was going to preach a message called Seven Steps to a Successful Circumcision. <laughs> and I said to Rory, I said, no, he wanted it. He said, Ray, I want to see who's committed to the church or not. <laughs> I said, Rory, a bit radical. So I've changed it. And I'm sitting in a cinema watching a film, a Star Trek movie. Uh, and uh, I'm sitting there and I'm not particularly, and then, All of a sudden, as I'm watching this movie, uh, God spoke to me really clearly, and this message came out of that. And well, let me give you an idea. So, the movie was this massive energy cloud was racing across the universe. It was angry, it was frustrated, it was eating up galaxies and planets. So, they sent for Captain Kirk and they went into the cloud. In the center of the cloud, they found like a big crater. And in the middle of the crater, there was like a machine. And it seemed like it was the machine that was causing all this anger and frustration. So I'm watching the movie and Captain Kirk, he gets up. And they discovered that it was a NASA probe that had been sent into the universe thousands of years before. But it had malfunctioned. It was searching for its creator. Who am I? Where did I come from? And it was raging, it was hungry, it was frustrated, it was angry. And, and I'm watching this movie and the Holy Spirit spoke to me so clearly and he said, Ray, so many of my people are living like this. Malfunctioned. And some of you are here this morning, I don't know what it is, but something has caused you to malfunction and for whatever reason, you've lost your way. Who am I? I mean, there was a time when you were on course and your life had a purpose and you got up with a spring in your step and you couldn't wait to get to church and your heart had a dream and your spirit had a home, but... You've malfunctioned. Something has caused you to malfunction. And I, I don't know what that is. It could be a tragedy that's just come out of nowhere. Tragedy doesn't send you an email. It just turns up. 
Uh, it could be a betrayal. It could be somebody that's really hurt you bad. But, you know, Monday you were fine, but bam, you've malfunctioned. And you can relate to this probe that was racing across the universe. And, uh, and, I, and, I, I, and, uh, and the Lord got me to get a little bit more focused. And it could be the one thing that's caused you to malfunction this morning is a decision you've made you never thought you'd make. A sin that you commit, committed you never thought that you'd commit because you're a Christian. You've been a Christian for years. And some of you are sitting here thinking, how can I get back to where I was? How can I deal with this? What does God think of me now? And you're sitting here malfunctioned and I... I'm thinking, you know, one of my favorite disciples in the whole Bible is Peter. He was the original carrier of foot-in-mouth disease. You know why I love Peter. He was always botching it up. And we all know the story about his denial. Oh, now, and we say, oh, if we were there, oh, really? So we all know the story, so... So here's Peter, and he malfunctioned. And he's thinking, how can I get back to that relationship with Jesus that I once had after one I did? And like Peter, if you want a title for the message, it's, what do you do when the rooster crows for you? It's very easy to judge other people from our position of strength, eh? But what happens when we mess up what happens when we sin? What happens when we make a bad decision and the rooster crows for us? Then we are forced to judge ourselves the way we judge others. And we don't know what to do. And like Peter, there are people here this morning, watch, and you've surrendered against your convictions. And you've malfunctioned. Now, let me paint the picture. They were in the upper room. We know the story. All the disciples were pumped. Jesus is going to overthrow the Roman government. And they were arguing about their position in the kingdom. They were going for it. And we know Jesus washed their feet and who's going to be the greatest. And so this was the mentality, the mindset of these disciples before Jesus says, okay, we pick it up from there. And they, Matthew 26, verse 30, and they sang a hymn. And they went out of the Mount of Olives. Now watch. Imagine the bubble here. They were psyched. Just a few more hours. And we're going to be ruling the world, man. And on the way out, on the way, Jesus stopped. He says, hey guys, if ever there was a bubble burst, it was right here. He says, yeah, I know what you're thinking and you're all excited. But let me tell you something. All of you, all of you will desert me tonight. Can you, you can almost hear the bubble burst. What? But after I've been raised from the dead, I'm going to go ahead of you and I'm going to meet you there. And what I get out of this is Jesus is saying, listen, in spite of your upcoming disloyalty, in spite of your upcoming hypocrisy 
I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to bless you. And I'm still going to use you. Come on, somebody. Say amen in this house right here. Watch this. You need to understand this because of where I'm going. Now, this is where Peter should have shut his mouth. But he can't help it, can he? He was offended to think that Jesus would think that of me. I mean, after, you know, I'm receiving revelation from heaven. How, how? So Peter, he, did, he was offended. He was really offended. And he said, a spirit of Shakespeare came on him. Even if everyone desert you. Look at them. Bunch of plonkers. I under them. Yes, me. Even if everyone deserts you, I will never desert you. Peter, shut your gob, you plonker. You're messing it up again. I love Peter. So Jesus looks at him tongue in cheek, I'm sure. I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night before the rooster crows, You'll not deny me once or twice, but you're going to deny me three times, bro, that you ever even knew me. Peter, now's the time to humbly shut it. He can't help it. Here he goes again. Even if I have to die, I will never, never desert you. Come on. And the disciple said, and so say all of us. <laughs> well, well, it just says, and they vowed the same. <laughs> right? Look, we all know what happened. He botched it big time. We all know what Peter did. The question I want to ask is, what do you do when the rooster crows for you, revealing a traitor lurking in your heart you never knew was there? We pick it up after the denial. He's warming his hands by the fire. Little girl sees him. Hey, you were with Jesus, Peter's response. What are you talking about? I never even, I don't even know the guy. And immediately while he was still speaking, you want to do a study in the New Testament or every time the Holy Spirit interrupted Peter. While he was still speaking, the rooster crowed at that moment. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. And suddenly the words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even knew me. And watch this. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. There's no way back now. And that's where some of you are. The rooster has crowed for you. You've malfunctioned. These weren't tears that said, oh, well, you know, you know I made a mistake. God will cover it. No, these weren't tears that said, well, should have done better than that. I'll do better next time. No, these were tears that says, for me, there is no next time. That's how he felt. And that's how some of you feel this morning. Because you've surrendered against your convictions and the rooster has crowed for you and you think to yourself, how could I have done that? How could I have said that? And Peter surrendered against his convictions and the rooster crowed, exposed his hypocrisy watch and shame caused him to malfunction. 
and shame has caused you to malfunction and you found a place to weep. And Peter realized what his love for Jesus was not what he thought it was. And like Peter, you've made a declaration of loyalty only to discover a traitor lurking in your heart and the rooster has crowed for you and you don't know what to do. Well, God has sent this little hobbit from the Shire (laughs) with a message for you. There's always hope with Jesus, folks. Come on, I said there's always hope with Jesus. (laughs) So, here's this little hobbit. Listen, if that's where you are, get ready. This is what you have to do to get back to the place where you were. You can write these things down. You can put them on your MP3, 46, whatever thing you're using there. This is what, are you ready for this? Come on, somebody, are you ready for this? This is what you got to do to get back to where you were. Nothing. Because Jesus has done it all. Because every sin, come on somebody, every mistake, come on somebody, nothing. Back to the illustration. So he rubbed the dust off the probe and and it said on the side of the probe, if found malfunctioned, press in this code. So he pressed in the code and watch. That's who I am. All the anger, all the frustration, all the searching ended. That is what I'm created to be. And I am here, sent by God, with the code. Are you ready for the code? All you have to do is receive this code. Here it is, 4316. And time has gone, I'll tell you that when I come back next year. No, no. Watch this. The fourth gospel. The third chapter. The 16th verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Here it is. That whosoever believes. And that's it. I'm not asking, this is not the time for the church to repent. It's time for the church to receive. It's time for the church to believe. Come on, somebody, say amen in this house. And you say, Ray, please talk to me. You're scratching when I'm itching. What do I have to believe? I'm so glad you asked. Because this, according to Peter's story here, listen. This is what you have to believe to deal with the malfunction and get back on course. You need to believe that because of the cross of Jesus, you were forgiven before you failed. Man, you need to get, I know this may sound so simple. Ray, why didn't you teach on the left armpit of the Antichrist and how it applies to modern society? That was another joke, but anyway, I'm not going to do that. Believe that you were forgiven because of the cross. You see, Peter, 
only remembered half the sentence in his shame. You're going to deny me. Couldn't get it out of his head. He should have remembered the latter part of that sentence that Jesus spoke. You're going to deny me. But Peter, I'm going ahead of you. I am way ahead of your sin. I am way ahead of your mistake. I am way ahead of your... But come on, somebody say amen in this house right here. And some of you were saying, Ray, 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 okay, I'm getting this, but you don't understand. How, how do you deal with failure? I failed doing the will of God. This wasn't just some simple decision, Ray. I was called of God. I was, I was doing the will of God, and I failed. How do you deal with that? Well, remember again, Peter, when he stepped out the boat and he walked on the water, all the theologians in the boat waiting for him to sink. It's wild, isn't it? Every time you try to do something for God, there's some, yeah, you're going down. Now listen, in Peter's case, they were right, right? But he had a go. He got out of the boat. That's why Jesus loved him. He loved his spirit of risk taking. And he stepped out of the boat. We all know the story. Oh, Peter sank. Have you tried walking on water lately? I tried it in the bath, Rory. He, he was walking on a storm, folks. Give him some credit. <laughs> but he failed doing the will of God. So what happens? Did Jesus say, tough, drown your plonker? <laughs> Why didn't you? You useless. I give you the word. Come, what? Well, you're useless. No, no, watch this. See, this is what happens when you have faith in your faith. If you have faith in your faithfulness, you'll never be content. So what happened when Peter's faith failed? The Bible says immediately, Jesus reached out, picked him up and says, come on, bro, let's have another go at this. Come on, somebody say amen in this house. And I'm here to tell you, because of the cross, you were forgiven even before you failed. When your faith fails, grace always reaches out. Come on, man. You need to get that in your... When your faith fails, you don't fall out of the will of God. You fall into the grace of God that will lift you up and say, come on, let's have another go at this. Somebody give praise to Jesus in this house. I'm preaching myself so happy. Three cheers for Jesus. Hip, hip. Hip, hip. Hip, hip. Now, come on, give him a clap. That's worthy of his name, folks. Woo! I love it. I'm going to get saved after this service. You see, like Peter, watch now. Let's get a bit more personal. You see, Peter misinterpreted the look. You know, I did a little bit of study. I am... Quite intellectual, actually. <laughs> what? What? So, but for your sake, I'm being very simple this morning. No, watch, watch. So, so I did a bit of, I did a bit of study, right? I, it's amazing. You know, they, they brought Jesus out of the praetorium, uh, which is where, where they used to scourge the prisoner before crucifixion. 
So as they brought him out, he was practically irrecognizable as a human being. And it was at that point that Jesus turned and their eyes met. And that's when Peter ran away in shame. You see, Peter interpreted the look like, again, he was thinking, Jesus was saying, Peter, how could you, bro? I've invested three years. I could, have picked any, I could have chosen anybody else. I chose you. I invested three years and you've messed it up. You denied me publicly. How could you? That's how Peter interpreted the look. But watch this. You know, before they crucified criminals under Roman law, they would scourge them in the, uh, at the scourging post. But I didn't realize this. The scourger always stood in front of the victim. We always see them from behind, like scourging from behind. But the reason was because many prisoners were dying at the scourging post when law said they should die by crucifixion. So the scourger would watch to see if life was leaving the eyes and they'd back off. The reason I say this is because with Jesus, they did something very strange. In Luke 22, it says they blindfolded him. Check it out. And I thought, why? Do you know what I think? As that scourger stood in front of Jesus with all the hate and vehemence in his eyes, he couldn't stand the gaze of compassion that looked right back at him. Cover the eyes. I, wish, I, I believe Peter wished he'd had a blindfold then. But watch this. Watch this. And Jesus turned and looked at Peter. Do you know what Jesus really was saying to Peter? Peter, I've got this. I've got this. I've got this, Peter. I've got you. There is a hope and a future for you, Peter. I am going ahead of you. I've already planned your restoration. I already know exactly how I'm going to bless you and use you. Come on, somebody. Say amen. And I know, I know, I know. I know there are people all over this building. You've misinterpreted the look. And you see that look in the judgmental, pharisaical people who call you friends. He's already gone ahead of you to plan your restoration. Listen, you see, when it comes to the grace of God, restoration is not about the sacrifice you make. It's about the sacrifice you trust. The roosters crow. And some of you have heard it day after day. Burying you in your shame. Listen. The roosters crow is not a sign that he's finished with you. It's actually a sign that you are about to experience grace on another level. Now here I am, I tell you. I pinch myself. I'm 74 years of age, been in the ministry for 40 years, pastor the same church for 26 years, and I, I've been embarrassed by your hospitality here. That waterproof tent I've been sleeping in for the last three days. <laughs> Rory, I don't, your heart is huge, bro. And, and every morning he'd come with a donut for me and a cup of coffee. Amen. I've never experienced, no, but seriously, 
And I'm here, I'm thinking, here I am in this amazing church, God using me to tell you that when your faith fails, grace reaches out. Listen, I've made some, look, you know, there's only two perfect people in this room. That's Jesus and myself. <laughs> the rest of you, you'll catch up. No, but look, here I am. I've made some really bad decisions in my life. I've sinned consciously and unconsciously. I've decided to give up more than once. I've lied and I've manipulated situations to protect my reputation. This is a great CV to be invited back to the church, isn't it? <laughs> I have failed relationally, ethically, but one thing has remained constant. His faithfulness, his grace, and his love. You can't sin your way out of it. You can't repent your way back into it. You can't repay it with your service and your obedience. God will never turn his forgiveness off. He will never pause it when you sin or fail. Because of the cross, you were forgiven before you failed. And the key to your restoration today is simply believe it. Am I looking at some believers in the house this morning? Holy Ghost is going to, I'm just going to bring this to a close now. But I, I want you to imagine this. It's a boxing match. In the ring, there's a Christian and she's fighting the devil. She's smacking the devil all the way around the ring. 10,000 Christians in the audience cheering her on. Come on, Christian, give him one for me. And she's smacking the devil. And then all of a sudden she gets distracted. And the devil catches her one under the chin and floors her. And the referee starts to count. One, two, three, four, five. She's motionless. The crowd is screaming, get up. You were doing so well. You can't lose now. The referee continues the count. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The devil struts around the ring, sneering at the audience, saying, easy. Next. Then all of a sudden, a shudder of horror goes through his whole being as he hears the referee Say this, 11, 12, 13, come on somebody, 14, 15, now the devil freaks out. He runs over to the referee who happens to be called Grace and he screams in the face of Grace and says, that's not fair and Grace says, to you. It's not fair, but I'm going to keep on counting until my servant gets up off the floor and finishes what I started in their life. 21, 22, somebody better help me in this place. And some of you, some of you here, you say, Ray, I'm on 7,456,072. Well, 73. 74, grace will keep on counting until you get up. 
Do I have some believers in the house this morning? He'll never stop counting. He'll never stop counting. That's why I sang that song by the famous hymnists, Lennon and McCartney. That was another joke, never mind. This is hard work, Rory. I don't know about you, but when I get in stuff like this, when the rooster crows for me, and I prayed all my professional prayers, and I've quoted all the faith scriptures, and been in all the worship service, had everybody lay hands on me, spit on me, blow on me, and I still feel naff. You know what? Sometimes we get to a place where we just say, Lord, help me. That's what Peter said when he was drowning. Help me. And that's where you are. Oh, I want to come and kiss everybody on the lips right now. (laughs) And you are here. I want every head bowed and every eye shut right now. Holy Spirit, thank you for the joy in this house. Thank you for the spirit of restoration in this house, this place where people can come and get restored. Lord, there are people all over this building. I'm going to pray two prayers, then I'm going to hand back over to Pastor Rory. Here's the first prayer. A prayer for every believer in this house who are living in shame because you've surrendered against your conviction. And you think there's no hope for you. You've malfunctioned. It's time to believe. Believe. Nothing else. Believe. You were forgiven way before you failed. And you want God to punch in the code. Say, Ray, I'm, when I put my hand up when you pray, when I put my hand up, my hand is telling you, I'm going to believe that God loves me. That he's going to restore me. That he has a plan for me. So first of all, those of you, the the rooster has crowed for you. You've been weeping bitterly in shame. But this morning, you're going to believe for restoration. When I count to three, I just want you to raise your hand. This is the first prayer, okay? Here we go. One, two, three. Raise it up. My God. Father, I break the chain of shame. And right now, I speak life and joy and restoration into the lives of every single believer that's raising their hand right now. Envelop them with your grace and your love in Jesus' name. Amen. You may put your hands down. Keep praying. Now, if you are here, you say, Ray, I want to pray this prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to pray this prayer, I'm going to count to three in just a moment, you raise your hand, okay? Here we go. I'm going to pray this prayer. Jesus, I thank you that I I am forgiven of all my sin, and I am prepared to believe it today, and I am going to receive it today. 
thank you. If there's anybody in the room that wants to pray that prayer for the first time, you're going to allow Jesus to come into your life. You say, Ray, I want to pray a prayer like that. I'm going to count to three, and I want you to raise your hand. Here we go. One, two, three. Raise it up. My God. Keep your hands up. Father, your presence is filling this place. Every single person that raised their hand right now, right now, an angel is taking a pen, dipping it in the indelible blood of Jesus, and writing their names in the Lamb's book of life. And nothing and no one can eradicate their name from this moment on. Lord, I hand them over to your grace and safekeeping. Their lives will never be the same again. And everybody said, Amen. And everybody give the Lord a big hand clap right here.